And today we're going to be talking about Girl 6 from Girl 6, uh, officially by the new power generation. Um, though, given that, you know, most of the people on the track are Prince and Nona Gay, I don't feel like that's really the new power generation, is it? Mm, no. Um, and it was recorded in December 1995 at Paisley Park. It was released on the 19th of March 1996 and as a single on the 26th of March 1996. The film itself came out on the 22nd of March. Mm. So, you know, album, film and single all within the space of one week. Um, on the track, we have Prince, Nona Gay, Kirk Johnson, samples of Teresa Randall. And the music was done by Tommy Barbarella. Um, I think in his home studio before they went to Paisley Park to you know add the vocals and stuff. Right. The track is four minutes of four, and joining me to talk about it today is Elliot Wallace. Hello, Elliot. Hello. Girl Six itself is an interesting project. Right. Um, you know, and I should say as well, the single had as a B side "Nasty Girl" by Vanity Six, which was also included on the Girl Six soundtrack. Right. You know, and on the cover of the single, it's promoted as the New Power Generation, uh, which is unusual because at this time. Anything that was released by the New Power Generation was just credited to just New Power Generation, mm. generally. Um, and on the single, it says, produced, uh, arranged uh, by Prince, which is drops the composed, because obviously Tommy Barbarella did the music. Uh, but the weird thing is it's calling it Prince. But this song was recorded about two years after he changed his name. So, I, you know, just muddy in the waters on exactly, you know, who was recording this song. Who's who and what's what behind this song. Yeah, by, by having, you know, Prince being credited on the cover of the single and, you know, the cover of the album, but then, you know, having, you know, the, the, the album also having songs by The Family and Vanity Six and... But then also crediting this to the New Power Generation. At the same time, Prince... You know, he's about to release two albums later this this same year mm -hmm. using the symbol as his name. So I don't know. It's just it's just one of those things where like this is in the middle of the kind of Prince basically trying to flood the market with um, music. Um, right. And of course, Warner Brothers not being happy about you know that's what he's doing. It, it felt like when I mean I I would have to do more research, but it felt a little bit like Prince was kind of uh, I guess giving the finger to Warner at the time just. You know, by saying, well, this project I'm going to give my name or the Prince name to, but anything else, I mean, it's a symbol. So you're going to have to deal with it. So that's how I was interpreting it. <laughs> and of course, you know, Girl 6 was released by Fox. So it's not like this soundtrack was anything to do with WB. Right. It, it was it was a, you know, completely different studio, you know, that, that kind of released it. And also, you know, the album, I mean, what's funny is, you know, um, Spike Lee on, on the notes of uh, the album kind of like thanks Prince, um, although he, 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 you know, he does call him Symbol, um, you know, for contributing all these songs and all this kind of stuff and helping to inspire him. And, you know, there's like a it's like a very kind of effusive thank you on the uh, on the liner notes. Right. Um, though the weirdest thing is that Prince contributed Girls and Boys, which had already been featured prominently in Under the Cherry Moon. There are only like two songs in Under the Cherry Moon that actually get a full performance. 
and Girls and Boys is one of them. So it's just it's it's such a weird kind of project. Yeah. You know, and the fact as well that, that Prince is like, you know, the new power generation did this song. When in reality we know that it's you know, it's Prince and Nona Gay that are singing. Mm. Um, you know, although I would say I can't, you know, there's not a huge amount of like I can't really hear what Nona Gay is bringing to this, other than you know some backing vocals for the chorus. Yeah, um, which doesn't, which isn't really much of a chorus. It's worth it's worth saying that like you know this song mostly consists of repeating the word "girl six over and over again um, before various different lines, um, and there's lots of little samples of. Uh, dialogue from the film dialogue from the film and uh, i guess we can go into it but also dialogue from at least two prince uh, older prince songs too and i'm not sure if yeah. those older prince songs are on the album but it, it samples raspberry beret and um housequake a song we actually went over uh when we were on um sign of the times too uh, yeah Th- those oh, aren't yeah. The, those aren't on the soundtrack okay <laughs> yeah. um like which is weird because there are a number of other um, songs from Sign of the Times that are on the soundtrack, uh, which is Hot Thing, Adore, and The Cross, but Housequake is not. Yeah. <laughs> but it's interesting because obviously the counting from um, Raspberry Beret um, was also used uh, um, for the opening titles of the TV series for uh, She's Gotta Have It. Mm. Uh, every episode opens with the one, two, one, two, three, four. Like that's like the literary thing, and then in the the finale of that, um, you know, the the four main characters, um, do a dance routine to, um, Raspberry Beret, um, but they also all wear little prince symbols on their uh, on their lapels. So, like, there's there's a lot of prints in that kind of final episode, but the fact that they start every single episode <laughs> with the counting from Raspberry Beret must have been something that maybe maybe because it's featured on this song, maybe Spike Lee had some kind of access to that counting. Oh yeah, uh, you know, maybe he was like, well, I've used it in my film, so you know, if I'm if I'm if if you know, you can count. Um, uh, she's got to have it as like Spike Lee quoting some of his his films because there are references throughout that series to other Spike Lee films right and maybe that counting is a reference to Girl 6 um, you know I mean maybe I'm stretching there yeah or, or uh, just a general friendship with Prince like it, it was it was yeah. weird when I when I saw Malcolm X and just seeing the credits and seeing Prince's name as one of the people who uh, I think was one of the producers or who gave money to it it was a uh, yeah it was a kind I of think he gave thing. money yeah, I think he, I think he gave a little bit of money towards the budget because obviously, famously, yeah. Spike Lee had an issue getting money for that film. Um, yeah. You know, it was a film that Hollywood apparently did not wish to, um, you know, did not wish to fund. So, um, yeah, I think I think they like the studio gave about half the budget, and then the rest had to be raised um, from you know prominent African American figures. Yeah, um, you know, Prince being one of those who contributed some money, which makes sense because. That's around the time of, you know, uh, the video for Money Don't Matter Tonight, mm. uh, which was directed by Spike Lee. So, you know, this is around the time that Prince and Spike Lee are, are quite, uh, you know, uh, reasonably close friends. Although I should also say it's not like they ever fell out. Like, I don't know of any kind of falling out. It's just obviously in his later years, Prince became very kind of insular. And obviously Spike Lee, we associate with one city and Prince, we associate with a completely different city. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true, each other. That's true. So, you know, their paths probably wouldn't have crossed that much if they weren't working together. Yeah. We get the counting and we get the, you know, shut up already, damn. Um, and then we get the, the words girl sick. Yeah. You know, and if you're listening to this song, get used to hearing the words girl and six. 
over and over again. Just in case because... you forget the name of the movie, too. Just remember. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, imagine if the song Purple Rain had just been Prince repeating the words Purple Rain like 50 times over, um, which, he, you know, he, he doesn't quite do. He takes yeah. like a couple of verses to build up to the words Purple Rain. But yeah, so we have various samples. I don't think it's really worth kind of talking about the samples like specifically no, because yeah. a lot of them are just, you know, description of the size of someone's waist or their um, cup size. Um, well, there is this one sample which always makes me laugh, which is I'm horny all the time. <laughs> um, <laughs> which, I don't know, I feel like Prince could have just sung those lyrics. He, he Like, he didn't need to kind of sample them. Um, <laughs> no, you know, no. Like, throughout the rest of, throughout the song, we kind of just hear little pieces of, of dialogue. Um, now, like, obviously, the film itself is about a phone sex operator hmm. um, who is only identified, um, I think, throughout the whole film, although I'm, I'm almost certain we do get her real name at one point, as Girl 6. Like, most people who know her know her as Girl 6. She has a roster of people who call in, um, who, are, who are played by, well, I mean, if I tell you who they are, Peter Berg, uh, you know, director of Hancock. Um, and I guess most people would know him for Friday Night Lights. Um, and also Michael Imperioli, who was best known as um, Christopher on The Sopranos. Um, but he also um, wrote the script for um, Summer of Sam, um, you know, which would be directed. And I think he also appears in that as well uh, by Spike Lee. Uh, you've also got Richard Belzer. So, I mean, he doesn't unfortunately identify himself as Munch. So this can't be part of the the Detective Munch universe. Um, and then you also have uh, Cody Mundy, Larry Pine. Um, and um, within the film, you also have, I mean, you know, you have an effort from Madonna, um, you know, and there's also appearances by Quentin Tarantino as well. Um, and then some of the other girls who are identified, um, you know, who are also part of this phone sex line include Naomi Campbell, um, and Gretchen Moll, which is like um, a kind of an odd combination. Um, and also, I think Debbie Mazar is also one of the girls. So there's like, you know, a, a kind of weird combination of, of different actors, um, you know. Uh, and also uh, Jennifer Lewis, who I guess most people would know now for appearing on Blackish. Um, she is one of the like the, the call, the telephone call lines have bosses who occasionally come on and speak to the girls. And she is like the first boss um, who comes on. Uh, Madonna being one of the the bosses later on in the film, mm. um, you know. So I, I I don't know. It's it's a weird film because I feel like these days, you know, it it like it just could not like this this this. I mean, I guess maybe there are still phone sex lines. Um, that that that's a technology of the of the close but old days. That's kind of like the weird. It's like a. It's kind of like a. Uh, VH, uh, VHS isn't the, isn't the best, but it's like a, an antique that you are aware of that still kind of works, but it doesn't have a lot of use, especially nowadays where everything's a lot more instant. Uh, well, yeah, this is the thing. It's like, you know, pretty much anything online I would I would have thought would have superseded the idea of like telephone sex lines. <laughs> um, and in in the film, you know, I don't like the, the you know, the character of Girl 6, she doesn't she doesn't advertise, you know, she doesn't know what she's going to be doing is phone sex. Um, she thinks that she's just going to be joining a call center um, until it's kind of, you know, obvious that she is going to be doing phone sex. Mm. Um, and a lot of it takes pl- like the setting of the film is mostly in her apartment. You know, most of her most of the people in the film call her while she's at home. Um, and, you know, one of the stories which involves uh, Michael Imperioli is that, you know, she thinks he's stalking her. 
uh, and a lot of the calls with him end up becoming quite like obscene and threatening um you know and there's you know she you know the, the kind of the more famous actors are like her regular callers right i guess i think it's funny because this kind of falls into the the thing of having you know prostitutes or or any kind of sex workers in films not actually doing anything sexual but just talking to men and it being implied that, you know, uh, some men only just want someone to talk to. Right. And I guess with the phone sex line, that kind of, you know, the kind of the obscene part of it would probably end up being a very short call um, and would not make interesting film. Whereas a lot of the phone calls in the in the actual film are very kind of long calls where her regulars kind of tell her about their lives. Mm. Although obviously it seems to be, it's implied on a lot in a lot of the film that the, the, the a lot of the guys are just lying and they're kind of coming up with like an idealized version of themselves and obviously girl six you know never you know she never really reveals or she's told explicitly not to reveal personal information right so she comes up with a character and that is the character you know the, the the kind of um the character herself is um you know is is a is trying to be an actress so she basically uses the phone sex line as a way to be an actress, um, you know. So she always plays like different personas for each of the call- the kind of her regular callers, right? Um, you know. And at the beginning of the film, she she or she goes to an audition, and auditions with the help of her agent uh, John Turturro for Quentin Tarantino playing a character that is credited, if I remember, as just QT. Um, and which I mean, I guess is Quentin Tarantino. Um, and at one point in the audition, he says that, you know, there's nudity in the film and he will need to see um, her breasts. And he asks her to take her top off. Um, and obviously, you know, she kind of sort of starts to go ahead with it. And then as she gets topless, she then realizes what is going on and she just kind of leaves the audition. Um, and I, if I remember rightly, because it's been a few years since I've seen the film, she leaves the audition and walks past like a long line of girls who all look roughly the same as her. Uh-huh. Um, so it's, it's you know a nice little visual gag. Um, but yeah, so you know that is kind of what her life is before she becomes a phone sex operator, and then you know um, towards the end of the film she quits the phone sex operator business, um, mostly because some of the you know the, the phone calls gradually get more and more extreme. And, you know, she ends up taking, you know, what is essentially a phone call where someone says they want to, like, murder her and have sex with her dead body. And so so as it kind of gets more and more graphic, um, there's also a a weird kind of storyline going throughout it where there's a serial killer in New York. Hmm. Um, And I think it's interesting that this is, I think, before Son of Sam because... That kind of, you know, yeah, with Michael so. Imperioli, it kind, of, yeah, it kind of, it kind of almost feels like that. That idea was something that Spike Lee kind of decided to explore later with Son of Sam. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so with this kind of, you know, this this serial killer who may or may not be one of her regular callers being in the news, um, she leaves New York uh, to get away from her boyfriend Isaiah Washington. Um, who is only identified on the credits as shoplifter, which I think is a funny kind of, and um, and also from her kind of cousin who keeps kind of stifling her and, and kind of getting too much into a business, played by Spike Lee, of course. Um, and she, you know, goes across, she moves to LA and she kind of almost ends up in a similar situation to the start of the film, auditioning for a director, this time played by Ron Silver. Um, and she, like, as she feels the audition is not going, you know, to her plan, she kind of, leaves the audition but this time happily Mm. and uh, she goes you know she walks down the Hollywood Walk of Fame like looking fairly happy Um, 
and you know none of that is reflected in this song no um <laughs> Um, you know, it's really weird because I've said to some other people, and I think I mentioned this on some episodes when talking about the song Girl 6, is it's kind of like a bat dance, but for a Spike Lee film. Yeah, that's what I was thinking a bit, where it was kind of, uh, uh, I, I, I mean, I hate saying uh, contractual obligation because that was the last record with uh, Chaos and Disorder, but it definitely has, yeah, it definitely has a, like a, a patch, a, a bit of a patchworky kind of, bat dance feel to it and you know like in terms of like the actual verses there's not a huge amount to say because you know the like you know prince sings all the way from the ghetto no little man can sway till she gets to her level no price too big to pay Mm. um (laughs) and nona gay sings she keeps her pride in her pocket next to the milky way um, and then we just have like the chorus of just with both Nona and Prince singing together, Girl Six. Which you know. uh, it, that line kind of reminded me a bit of um, the line from um, what was it, Most Beautiful Girl in the World, and maybe other songs that were covered where he has a, a weird kind of cosmic and spatial, well, not spatial, but kind of like space, um, and not vibe, but he, he kind of references like lunar, uh, lunar bodies or, you know, celestial bodies every now and then i always kind of wondered why that was you know he i don't know what his uh or his connection to it or if his wonder was with it but uh that just that line kind of reminded me a bit of uh you know of that from um less from uh most beautiful girl in the world too yeah i guess i mean you know i i think i think the weird thing is like i don't feel like these lyrics really say anything about the film no you know i mean i guess the mention of the ghetto you know the neighborhood she lives in new york is not exactly the greatest Mm. um you know this like the chorus is you know girl six what you want to hear girl six listen to your fears girl six laughing out a tear girl six i can make it as long as you are near like i like is is prince like one of the callers like I think it's just kind of like uh, the uh, like the uh, rumination on on sex on the sex part of the sex operator, and not so much yeah. the, the character the like the real character of who she is and why she has this profession profession as a you know phone sex worker. It's you know let's just talk about it's let's talk about phone sex baby nineteen ninety six yeah I I I think it's I mean you know again there's a, there is a little reference to you know uh, in the next bridge when it's like uh, you know she's all good when she rock it heaven's only a phone call away so mm-hmm. you know that like invoking heaven oh uh, yeah um, like that that like kind of heaven's only a phone call away kind of seems almost like um heaven's just a kiss away Mm. Um, from whatever song that was, which I cannot remember at this point, <laughs> which is off Love Sexy. Um, I think it might have been, I don't know. I don't want to guess. But yeah, so, you know, like this kind of, I don't know. It just feels like Prince recycling ideas. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel like any, and I, and the thing is as well, you know, Nona Gay, I think on Love Sign, you know, which I'm, might be a song that I cover as a bonus episode at some point in the future. I think she kind of, um, you know, she has a kind of not a te- you know she doesn't have a terrible voice. I don't think Prince would ever pick us you know to sing with someone who had a bad voice. Um, but I don't think she has anything kind of distinctive. I don't feel like she's bringing anything to this song. You know, they could Prince was recording you know with Rosie Gaines around this time. He could have had Rosie do the the kind of the the backing vocals, and it would have just been a bit more distinct. Yeah. Um, it it kind of feels like Nona Gay, unless you know what Nona Gay sounds like. It just feels like she could be any backing singer and she just kind of like blend into the background. Right. Um, you know, there's, like, there's nothing kind of distinctive about what she's bringing to the song. Yeah, um, yeah. 
you know, and, uh, you know, towards the end, Prince sings, uh, what's the end to the way out? What, how do we get directions to this ever elusive? I'm assuming he's going to sing route to my, <laughs> without. Um, what's the sister doing? Dignity is all she dreams about. Girl six in doubt. And I'm like, so is he saying that she shouldn't be doing telephone sex? Like, who is Prince to be dictating what this woman should be doing with her career? and what? Especially just everything else has been kind of going on with the song where it seems like, I guess it's supposed to be the turn in the song, but it's kind of weird coming as like the last verse, maybe as opposed to like a, a, a stronger bridge and then going back to the verse of what her life is after or her life is like yeah. after leaving it. But yeah, the song just seems to kind of focus so much on the sexuality of it. All the samples are of her being sexy, and it's not so much just of what her life is like and why she's chosen this and why she's in this situation. It's just yeah, it's the sex of it. Yeah, and and you know, and then to like the outro has mm-hmm. um, you know samples of you know you'd be watching the game and I'd be on you tight with that woman to man full court pressure defense i've been on my feet all day and now i'm on my hands and knees i sure would like to take a break so i could talk to you like it's you know there's even a line which says we are going to practice safe sex aren't we which you know is a very kind of mid-90s thing for people to be extolling about the virtues of safe sex yes um you know and like it just feels like this like the samples from the film are are all about the wrong part of what the film is about you know the film takes a very kind of dark turn um there's there's all this there's in the film there's this imagery of um a an elevator like an elevator shaft mm. like she you know um the main character keeps imagining like looking over into this elevator shaft as if she's going to like commit suicide by jumping down it or something it's a really weird image mm. um you know given that it's about 15 years since i last saw this film that's the one kind of image that sticks with me but yeah so i mean i don't feel the weirdest thing is like i don't feel there's really a huge amount to say about this film you know obviously i've talked a lot more about uh, sorry about this song right um you know i've talked more about the film than the song because i don't feel like the song really does anything like it does it's not let's put it like this it's not a bat dance it's not a purple rain it's not a when doves cry it's not even a, you know, another love a hole in your head or mountains or, you know, it just doesn't. It, it's I, I would say it's not even a thieves in the temple. Right. Like it's not really kind of giving you an idea of what the film is about other than just all these clips of Teresa Randall kind of talking dirty. Yeah, um, it has a very mid 90s kind of R&B feel like I think uh, we've, you know, kind of circle around how I'm fe- when I think about when I think about Prince in the in the 90s. Um, but this is kind of like one aspect of it where it's something that if it were to come on i wouldn't know it were prince and if after after the um dj announced oh well that was prince's new song i mean like oh okay it was just it, it this song kind of goes through me a bit uh, to me as well kind of like the the kind of the drums the, like the, the programming of the drums mm. is very kind of like mechanical and boring and it just doesn't really kind of bring it alive and there is that kind of um i don't know i want to say it's almost like a, a horn sample that plays throughout the song right um, you know, but again, there's nothing that really kind of stands out with this song. Um, you know, I feel like we're kind of dancing around where we're eventually going to be, uh, you know, rating it out of five. And I think for me, I don't think I can kind of go any higher than a two out of five. Like, you know, it's not a song that I would ever really pick to listen to. Mm. And after I've listened to it, it's one of those songs where I'm like, oh, oh, yeah, that's that's what this song is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think talking through it, I, I definitely give it a two. I did like the groove, but just talking through it more and thinking at the end of the day, it is just kind of a patchwork of a song as opposed to like a song. 
Yeah, I yeah. guess I have. I can't give it more than a two, really. I feels like I shouldn't have to say it, but um, uh, you know, Prince never performed this live. Uh, we're at a point where Prince is about to release Emancipation. He hasn't got, you know, Girl Six songs on his mind. No. Um, you know, there is a slightly longer version that plays over the end credits, but it's basically just that kind of loop of, you know, the drums repeated a bit more <laughs> um, and, and like a couple more samples. It doesn't really add anything extra. Um, and it's only about a minute longer than the, than the actual kind of like album version. Yeah. Um, which leads to the question, why have a shorter version on the album and have a longer version on the film? Why not just include the longer version on the album? Yeah. Um, you know, as a single, it, you know, basically didn't do any business, um, you know, and the album itself was also not successful. I think he got to like 78 in the top, you know, 100. Um, and that was, you know, that that was the, yeah, that's a single, got to kind of 78 uh, in the R&B as well. Mm. <laughs> Prince is once again relegated to uh, specialist charts. Uh, you know, the album itself, you know, it peaked at 75. It got to number 15 in the R&B you know, album charts, but, you know, then, you know, after four weeks, basically it was gone. So, you know, we're talking by the time you get to like May 1996, everything to do with Girl 6 is out of the cinemas and out of the charts. Right. Um, you know, it, 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 and, and I think it's just one of those things that remains more of a kind of curio of Prince from this time. Uh, yeah. Where, you know, you, you have to think to yourself, sometimes in 1996, Prince was releasing so much music that by the time you get to after chaos and disorder and emancipation, you're not thinking about girl six anymore. No. <laughs> um, you know, that song is kind of long gone. Also worth saying as well, as with other MPG songs, Prince is credited around this time as Tora Tora. Um, not Prince. <laughs> Though of course on the cover of the single, it says Prince and on yeah. the cover of the album, it says Prince. So I don't think Prince was fooling anybody by taking that title. Um, you know, so let's, uh, I feel like we said about as much as we can about yeah. the film and the single and the, the album girl six. So let's go to plugs. Is there anything you wish to plug Elliot? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at E H Wallace and you can find my Instagram where I work out and try to lose weight and look great at the Elliot Wallace. And you can find us on Facebook at Prince Track by track or on Twitter at Prince podcast, or you can email us. At, I'm not sure why you would at Prince track by track at gmail.com. Unless you are Spike Lee and you wish to email us, then by all means, email away. Um, otherwise, thanks for being my guest here today, Elliot. Thank you very much. And otherwise, goodbye.